I am Steph Reed. I am the director of the Flat River Community Library. I'm Cassie Vargo, and I am the marketing and outreach librarian. My name is Paul Cisco, and I'm the executive director at the Greenville Area Chamber of Commerce. I'm Katrina Snyder, member of the Services Administrator. Welcome to the Flat River Front Porch. And we think about libraries today. The concept comes with a lot of baggage. A, a library can be many things. Where you get books. To learn. The place where we come to learn things we wouldn't learn otherwise. Reading, it's movies. A great resource for homeschooling. Endless resources. It provides a place of safety. A place that the kids get to meet friends and make friends. To meet people we wouldn't meet otherwise. We love preschool story time. It's a quiet place. I do the classes for adults too. We did some fun dancing ones for you to rest in a way and explore at the same time. A library is a community place. It's a colorful place. It's a joyful place. I work with a hundred different libraries mm -hmm. and they each reflect the community that they serve. The place to be more a part of the community. A life source and a spirit of a community. A library is the cultural heart of every community. But the library has evolved into a much more diverse space. And it's fascinating how it's changed. Historically, libraries were like sacred places. They were just silent archives where information was gatekept by the elite few. And li librarians were scholars and the libraries were for academics and entry was based on stringent qualifications. It was not for everyone. But over time, the idea of information became more democratic and libraries began to open their doors to a wider group of people. And it transitioned from those hushed exclusive archives to community centers and just a different concept of what we are. Here in the 21st century, we are lively, buzzing hubs of community activity. We are places of knowledge still, but we are also a space for programs, for workshops, for storytelling, for technology labs, and all sorts of community events. We don't shush people anymore. I think I've been shushed more than patrons have been shushed, but... Yes, there, there is some patron shushing on our behalf because we're dropping the ball is what it sounds like. But instead, we are used to, to, hearing, to hearing voices, to hearing children playing and running around and... The clack of mahjong tiles. <laughs> Even that sounds a little bit old school, but yes, just activities happening in our building and discussions and people, people being friendly. Mm -hmm. We have Nerf tournaments. We have Nintendo Switch tournaments. We have ghost hunters and mushroom foragers in our building, and we have... Crafting and cooking and crocodiles and mermaids and giant bubble machines <laughs> filling our backyard with foam for people to frolic in. So the boundaries have blurred completely. And now we're constrained only by our desire to bring meaningful experiences to our patrons. To change tack here, I'd like to muse a little bit about a different community space, and that's the concept of the front porch. There, there's a cultural history attached to porches as well, to front porches specifically. It has deep roots in American history, going back to colonial times. And interestingly enough, it actually goes all the way to ancient Greece, too. The concept was very academic. It's Aristotle having intellectual conversations. Yeah, lectures. Yes, and, exactly. Yeah, discussions. But at the same time, it actually has profound history in those who came to the United States from West Africa through the slave trade and brought with them their cultures and for whom this was a touch point for their history when everything else had been taken away from them. Hmm. In 1920, 42% of homes had front porches. And they were a common communal space for, for families to integrate with their neighbors. And it was a place of comfort. And as I said, for the African-American communities, it was a place where storytelling happened, where music happened, and where people f could feel safe communing with their neighbors. But of course, things have changed. And not as many people have front porches anymore. People started building decks in their backyard, mm -hmm. which I have... An extremely big backyard deck. Most of my yard is deck, and it's awful. Why is it awful? It's awful because I wish I had more grass. But that's okay. it's. But specifically that backyard deck, it's it's communal, but it's not public. Yeah. 
isolating to a point. I know that in my neighborhood, we're, we've got houses 50 to 100 yards away. You can see my neighbor's deck, but there's no socializing between us, even right. when we're both out on our decks. It's definitely been a shift. There's de- Yeah, there's a dividing line, definitely. Interestingly enough, though, in the last 20, 25 years or so, it's becoming much more popular in new builds. And more and more people are actually looking for their homes that they are having built or that they are buying to have front porches because they're coming back into popularity again. In the South, something like 90% of new builds have front porches on them because people want them now. So why are we talking about front porches? When we're sitting in a library, the common thread is community. While front porches connected neighbors in a residential setting, libraries play a similar role, but on a larger community scale. A public library now, much like the front porch, serves as a space of togetherness and a place to exchange stories and learn and grow. So we're in an era where digital devices often pull us into individual bubbles. So having these communal spaces is more important now than ever before. And studies indicate that despite our interconnected digital world, people feel more isolated than ever. Emotional and societal disconnects are growing, and the need for genuine human interaction becomes very important. Enter the library, our community's front porch. The space, much like those storied porches of the past, is an open invitation for everyone to learn, share, connect. So through this podcast, our endeavor is to extend the sense of community beyond the physical boundaries of our library, and we aim to become that metaphorical front porch for you, our listeners, and our community, to engage with the diverse voices of Greenville, Montcalm County, Michigan, and beyond. We will navigate this journey together, uncovering tales of our shared past, present, and hopeful future. So as you tune into each episode, expect stories that resonate, information that enlightens, and discussions that foster a sense of community. Welcome to the Flat River Front Porch. I am Steph Reed. I am the director of the Flat River Community Library, and I'm Cassie Vargo, and I am the marketing and outreach librarian. So I handle a lot of our social media, and we're working on figuring out outreach and going out into the community and just being a part of everything. Yes. Like, that's not an exaggeration, I feel like. <laughs> like how much more everything can we be? I feel like that conversation comes up a lot. That yeah. more, more is really big for us these days. And it's perfect that we're starting out with our outreach librarian who has only been in this role for a short time, a relatively short time. And it's not as though outreach didn't exist for us before. It's not Mm -hmm. as though we didn't work with the community before. But Cassie gets to give us some direction and to bring her own joy to the whole experiment. So do you want to talk a little bit about things we have done and things you'd like to do? Yeah, absolutely. So we've, we have done a lot in the past and are continuing to do a lot. I think one of the things that I am the most proud of that, that you and I have done together is the Montcalm Career Fair that we had last spring. So we got together and worked with a bunch of different community organizations like the local school systems, Montcalm ISD, West Michigan Works, and Montcalm Community College to get together to host a career fair for not only the wider community, but also for our local students, both at the high school and at Montcalm Community College. And we were really successful, I feel like. We we had just under 40 vendors who attended. Every space in the library was filled with vendors. And then we had two different sessions. We had a morning session for students, and they were bussed over from the local education centers. And schools, they're called schools. <laughs> we do have various Montcalm Community College sites, to be fair. You know, those are schools too, right? They are. Yes. Okay. Uh, Anyway, so we had the local schools bring kids in and that was really successful. I feel like a lot of a lot of places found some connections. And then we opened it up to the community in the afternoon. And I feel like we had some good success with that so much so that we're doing it again this year. We've already reached out to our partners six months in advance because we like to plan. We're librarians. Yeah, that's what that's what we mean by this year is April. We're not talking about any time around the April of next year in 2024. Yeah, that's a perfect example of us trying to do everything because we kept pulling in new people to cooperate with. We kept pulling in new vendors. We tried to get as many schools involved as Mm -hmm. possible. We wanted to incorporate the schools and the public, which usually job fairs do not do that. So we really wanted to cover as many bases as possible. And sometimes that goes horribly wrong when we get when we dive in a little too far into the deep end. But this time, I think we got lucky. Yeah, there were 
not everyone was happy. Not everyone's going to be happy. Mm -hmm. But I think overall it was a good success. And I'm, yeah. I'm really proud of that. So I'm hoping that that will continue. But one of the other things that we've just recently started up in the last couple of years is Library Card Sign-Up Month. So we went out and partnered with local businesses to offer discounts to our library card holders in the month of September. So if you didn't have a library card, you could come in and get signed up. And then you could go out to local businesses and get free things or discounts on services. We had everything from pizza places to flooring places. So if you ordered some flooring, you got a discount on materials and you got free cheese bread. By getting or having a library card that is free. Everybody <laughs> likes free things. Absolutely. So that was a good success. I really, I thought that was a good one. And we're going to continue with that one as well. And that's a fun one too, because we get to actually work with our local businesses because that's not necessarily a group that we target per se with our typical services and mission, but if we can do something to support local, so much the better. Yeah. And we've really made some actual good connections with places. Just BC Pizza, for example. The manager of BC Pizza is always willing to work with us and always oh, yeah. willing to help or donate pizza. And that's just fantastic. So much free pizza has come in our doors. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful and horrible thing all at the same time. <laughs> we just try to keep stuffing it into teenagers because we know that they can, yeah. their bodies can handle it. Yeah. We're working with Rave of Montcalm and Ionia, which is Relief After Violent Encounters. So Rave does a lot of wonderful work in the community for those who have been victims of domestic violence or violent encounters. And so this year we hosted a support group in the library that met every other week. They also came in during our adult self-defense class and had resources available for those who may need them. So we're going to continue to partner with them in the future. We have a body safety program for families that we're going to get on the calendar. And we're also going to talk about teen dating violence awareness at some point in the future. So I think that's going to be a really valuable resource for people in the community. Yeah, absolutely. And especially with the fact we are, by nature, harbingers of information that we want to try to keep people informed. That also means that we try to help start conversations, too. And some of those topics are just things that don't get talked about. No. Making sure that our kids understand how to be safe with their bodies and how to set boundaries for yourself. It's really important. It's important. And honestly, it is needed in all communities. Absolutely. We offer notary services. Do so we? We do. <laughs> I happen to be one of our notaries. Fun, fun fact. Fun fact. We, because notarization is the, one of the most fun things you could do. It is. But yes, that is one of the weird, <laughs> not weird, weird, one I mean, of the random things that we just picked up as we've been that snowball rolling down the hill. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that we figured. We had a lot of people asking very frequently if we offered notary services and it had always been something that I was like, I really should have my notary certificate. Like, as a librarian, that's a good service to offer. We tossed it around for a few months, and then myself and one of our other staff members, Danielle, decided to go ahead and, and pull the trigger. So yeah, we offer, preferably, we would prefer that people call and set up an appointment, but we do offer walk-in if we happen to be on site, and they have documents that we are able to notarize. And we offer that free of charge, and I think that's a really important point because... Mm -hmm. Not everyone around who is offering notary services is offering them for free. Like all of the wonderful resources that the library has, it's free. Yes, it's extremely rare for us to charge for stuff and we get to offer things to bring a little bit more equity to some of these services that are harder to get your hands on for some people. Yeah, definitely. absolutely. And a lot of people don't know where to go to get some of these services. And yes. for a lot of people, the library is just the librarians know everything. So I can ask the librarian. I'm fine with cultivating want. that. I like the idea of being like the Wizard of Oz. Oh, I do like that. Like, I want us to be very welcoming, but there's still something very nice about being like, but there's a magic curtain. You don't know. Like, there's always, it's, there's endless possibilities. It's probably a very toxic inclination, but I grew up on certain movies that have affected me psychologically. I was going to say, there's a lot to be said about the secrets of the library. You don't want to lose the mystique. Yes. I, even as a librarian at this point, I still find it magical. And yeah. that, that Cassie just listed off, it's a drop in the bucket. Like mm -hmm. those, None of them sounded like small projects, but, but we have a lot of pieces, a lot of moving parts, and that will just continue to, to grow, too. Absolutely. So I'm sure... There will be more to talk about in the future as well. So one of the other things that we 
have available and it, going through the list, there's always going to be more on that list of other things that are available. Is we have we have an agreement with the Daily News, mm-hmm. so that all of their archives, 2010 and earlier, including their predecessors, the newspapers that grew into the, what Daily, the Daily News, Daily News is now we. We host all of their archives, mm-hmm. so we have them available on microfilm for any of any people who still know how to use microfilm. We do have a brand new microfilm uh, reader and scanner that people can use, which yay. it's shiny and pretty. It and is. Fun. It, it does magical things. But for those of you who are less comfortable with that and would like to be able to access it from elsewhere, we also have all of that digitized and searchable. I played a little game of diving into those archives because it's really fun just digging through that. There's so much random stuff. There is. It's wonderful and mystical. But this is a segment that I want to call it old news. Okay. (laughs) Which I think the Library of Congress would appreciate. They had a sticker that they give out that says, I love old news Mm -hmm. that I have on my water bottle book. Okay. So there's some really fun old stuff that I dug up from around the late 1860s from the newspaper archive. And this is actually, it's not the Daily News. It's from what was called at the time the Greenville Independent. And anybody reading it would probably not recognize your standard journalistic like style from this because it's very different than what we are used to. It's a little, it's a little biased, but it makes it a little bit more fun. And what the focal points were a lot of fun too. But one of the things that I managed to dig up was the the proceedings of the Greenville Village Council from June 8, 1869. Okay. And, of course, this is back before Greenville was a city. It was still just a village. Right. And they they did a few things at this particular meeting. Somebody asked consent of the board to enlarge their boot and shoe store on Lafayette Street. Okay. They wanted to make it bigger. To be used as a bakery and a sales room because when you go to buy shoes... Obviously, you're also looking for bread. I that I'm not a fan of that combination. I did. Does the bread smell like shoes, or does the shoes smell like bread? Maybe it's just the beautiful ambiance of like shoe leather and like yeast. As long <laughs> as that smell isn't coming directly from the shoes, then we're good. I mean, I think I might rather prefer shoes smell like than feet but but then when they start to mix that's not yeah no (laughs) and and these are not minutes this is very loosey-goosey and i love that about it there was also there is a gentleman whose name was rutan and i'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly but i've noticed from our the plat maps for the the greenville area that he owned a fair amount of the area so i'm assuming he was a local farmer Mm -hmm. and probably somebody could actually give me more, more information about this Newsflash, actually, Brilliant don't know everything. No, it says in the article he had in view the platting of a third addition to the village, comprising all the land bounded on the south by Judd Street, which is where the library yeah. is, on the west by Dr. Avery's Farm, on the north by Washington Street and the Marsh, and on the east by the Marsh and Lake Street. So I love that Marsh yeah. is part of the navigation here. But that also means that this particular article that I totally stumbled upon was when the land that the library is currently on was added as part of the village of Greenville. So this land apparently became part of the village in the summer of 1869. Worth noting, though, that the particular piece of land that we are on, we have only been here 25 years. That's true. Exactly 25 years this fall. And before that, it was a high school, which may or may not have been haunted, depending on who you ask. And then one other fun thing that I'll add, and then I'll save some for later, too, but I, so many of these are just really short little pieces that are just like a little slice of life, like somebody was going out of town kind mm-hmm. of thing. But there, there's one that's clearly just like the local police like goings on. And there was someone named Aaron Amadon, apparently, who was last week convicted and fined $20 and costs for selling liquor, which apparently was illegal. I think we might have been dry. That oh, point. that would make sense, honestly. Yeah. Um, But prefers rather than pay this amount to spend two months in jail. He took quarters in Ionia jail on Tuesday last, and on Thursday he returned to Greenville having paid his fine. So apparently he changed his mind after a weekend in the Ionia jail. What, $20 versus... $20 in 1869. In 1869, which in fairness... Was a lot. Of- a lot, yeah. Um, I probably would have done the same. 
honestly, if I had the financial means. I am deeply curious what a weekend in the Ionia jail would have been like in the 1860s. I can't imagine it was wonderful. I can't imagine it would be wonderful now, but it's probably, yeah, it was probably a very different experience. But yeah, if anybody has any pictures of the Ionia jail from the 1800s, let us know because I would love to see that. That would be interesting. (laughs) Okay. We will come back a little bit after our upcoming segment to to chat a little bit more. But now we are going to sit down with two really fun people that a lot of our locals should hopefully know from the Green Village Chamber of Commerce, Paul Sisko and Katrina Snyder. We are sitting down with two of my favorite people in the city of Greenville, I will let them go ahead and introduce themselves in their own special way. For each of you, who are you? Where can we find you? And what are you up to right now? Oh, my goodness. Do I have to call on you? Yeah. Just because there's two of you doesn't mean you can't step up. First of all, if I find out that you start every podcast with that same, these are my favorite people, I'm going to be back at your door. This questions. is for the very first episode, so we'll see okay. what happens. But All right. like All before your favorite then. I'm gonna be watching. <laughs> My name is Paul Cisco, and I'm the executive director at the Greenville Area Chamber of Commerce. And that's where you can find me pretty much all week. Where is the Chamber of Commerce for someone like me who has a really hard time not driving past it every time? Yeah, it's in a beautiful historic downtown Greenville and It's 210 South Lafayette. It's right next to Lafayette Street Park. And the marker that we give to most people when they're trying to find us is it's just across the street from Margot's Restaurant. So that's a point of note that makes it easy to find us. But we're in a hundred and almost 50-year-old building in the historic district. And so that's where we typically hang out if we're not out at an event or visiting with our membership. I'm Katrina, and my last name is Snyder. I can be found at the chamber as well. Actual job title. Yeah, <laughs> member of services administrator. I just stay there all the time, okay. forever. Okay. She's the one that's there when Paul has disappeared. That's yeah. been my experience as well. Yeah. yeah. Typically. Okay. Usually. The one that's there when I've disappeared, though. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. But we know that we that you both exist. This we is not an either there. or situation. Correct. They are both in the same room right same now. Building, so same just space. in case. Mm-hmm. Which means there's nobody at the chamber. Right. At the moment. Oh yeah. my gosh. I know. I hope there's not a chamber emergency. We're living on the edge this Do afternoon. you all have a bat signal for <laughs> stuff like this? Not we really. Should. No. But that's a good idea. Oh yeah. my Make gosh. Something crazies happening at the splash pad i don't know i don't know why i picked that specifically but yeah we need we need you guys to suit up and go down the pole and okay we need to add all those things to the building yes for sure it's a beautiful historic building but it does not it doesn't have have a pole it doesn't have a bat signal Mm -hmm. okay what are you up to right now the thing that's freshest on our on my mind is the just happened last friday and that's the business trick-or-treat event which is just a riot And it's just a time full of joy and candy and spider rings and glow sticks sticks and costumes and very minimal effort for us, which is a great thing to bring Um, that much joy to the community. Yeah, that can happen. But plus about your costumes that you did. Mine was not that hard because my kid works at Starbucks. And so he he donated his apron to me and so I was a barista and I actually got a message today that said someone was fooled and they thought Starbucks had moved or opened a location downtown and they oh, were really excited okay. and then they were Whoops. let down when they realized it wasn't true. <laughs> yeah, this curing. is Greenville. <laughs> Starbucks is like what 10 blocks down? It's, it's got to be like a full mile at least. Yeah. It might probably. be a mile and a half. It might even take you 15 minutes it, to walk. It down. could. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At least we have one. That's counter blessings. Yep. True. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might have something else in store for tomorrow, being it's Halloween day. Okay. Yeah. We'll so see. he was like, I'm going to be a barista. And I said, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a Frappuccino. Nice. Which turned into yeah. a pumpkin spice latte. Okay. you have to. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah. There would be some very disappointed people that were like, yeah. how are you not reflecting the season? Right I know. Now? I feel like I had to be festive. More festive than that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. The young aged children who are like, Starbucks. Yeah, like eight-year-olds being wow. like, hey, you're a copy. 
How do you know what a copy is? So, as you have heard me explain at length, the central theme of our podcast is about recreating the front porch for the community and creating that community space, both figuratively and actually physically with our building. So I'm curious. I feel like the front porch as a concept is very evocative for people in different ways. Does either of you have like a front porch memory or story from when you were younger? Do you remember any times on front porches? So we didn't have a front porch growing up. It was like a little just patio and we didn't spend any time out there, but we have a front porch now. Mm -hmm. And it was a very important space for us during the pandemic. We spent a lot of time out there. We visited with friends out there. It was just, it was a space where we still felt like we could communicate with other people Mm -hmm. and experience fresh air. And we even shot an anniversary live on Facebook during COVID because we just wanted to be able to have that interaction with a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. And so we promoted it ahead of time and just said, ask us whatever questions you want to know about us or our relationship. And it was a lot of fun responding to the questions and just being able to be open like that. And I think a front porch does communicate that. It's welcoming. Mm-hmm. Our front porch has a sign that is welcoming you up into our space. Mm-hmm. How about you, Katrina? I don't have a front porch either. Okay. Have you ever been on a front porch? Do you know Do what you a know front what porch I is? A, I have a front stoop. <laughs> See, here's the thing. And you know what? This is going to sound, this is going on, going to go down a nerdy path here, but I actually looked into the history of front porches and there was a period architecturally where front porches started being replaced by front stoops Mm. because they were not like, you just needed a method to get into the house, but Mm. it wasn't necessarily that open space anymore. So yeah, I have a front stoop as well. It's just like a concrete. Yep, that's block in front of our house that's poorly painted green and I wish mine yeah. was painted. That's my goal next oh, summer. Okay. <laughs> my that's too. the goal. Yeah. No, I would love a front porch. I had a front porch as a kid, but we lived on a super busy road. Oh, so nobody yeah. wanted to go. I would sit out there all the time, and nobody wanted to sit out there with me. So right. my story is not as endearing. It is really nice being able to have a space like that available to you where you can make yourself open and available Mm -hmm. to your neighbors, especially if you live someplace where you have neighbors where that's a possibility, too. I think without a front porch, you can find a space that is that communal area, even Mm -hmm. if you don't have something like that. Yeah. Kind of what you're doing here. Technically, the library doesn't have a front porch. Yeah. You have this space where you want to get. Yeah, yet. We have a space where you want to gather people together and and get that sense of community back. I think Mm -hmm. my kitchen table would be that for me. We have lots of friends. We love having friends over for dinner, hanging out, game nights and stuff like that. That that table has become our front porch. Okay. Yeah. Can people just walk in and sit down at your kitchen table? Sometimes if it's clean. Obviously, it's a metaphor, but yeah, that that communal space, we have moved away from it as a culture, too. Mm -hmm. One of the things that came up a lot when I was reading about the history of it, was that people moved into their backyards, basically. Like, mm. they wanted to have that communal space in their backyards because they wanted to create that sort of dividing line between themselves and whoever they were selecting as being comfortable as having their space. And there's value in that, too, certainly. But there is something to be said, too, for opening yourself up in such a way that you're risking maybe talking to somebody that you weren't expecting to talk to. Mm. So your, your building is that in a certain respect, too. Like, I think so. And I was thinking about this summer we decided to purchase a couple of little bistro tables that we put out front of our building. And it was just, we even redesigned and moved our whole lobby around just to create a welcoming feel when Mm. you walk in or when you walk by. We were ecstatic the first time somebody sat down at our outside tables. And because it is, I think you're communicating something just by having a space like that. Mm -hmm. I do think I was just thinking as you were talking that our culture has become a bit individualistic over Mm -hmm. the years too. And I think there's a change coming. I think there's a transition happening right now. But yeah, it's looked more inward and maybe not as communal Uh as a people. And I'm excited to see that changing and people desiring that close connection again and community vibe. At the front of our building, we wanted to communicate that during the nice weather. Inside, we're hoping that communicates that because we do function as a visitor's bureau because we don't have one. And so we're the place that people will go when they're looking for information like that and We want everyone to feel welcome when they come in. So how do you feel like your role impacts the community? Because I think most people are familiar with the concept of the Chamber of Commerce, but it's very, in the same way that each library is its own, it's each chamber, it's its own too. And you all are, came as a sort of brand new package to this organization. Yeah, I think it, I think there's an impact in many ways, but one of the 
one of the things we find ourselves having to do is educate the community on what is our purpose? What are we here for? What do we do on a day-to-day basis? And so you'll find that in our social media, in the revamped documentation, just the way that we've positioned who we are and who we're not, and how do we, how what we do affects community business along with resources that maybe people don't understand. So just being that connecting point, I think, Uh is a major piece of how we impact the community. That was very poetic. It was great. (laughs) Please. I don't have anything to add to that. That's pretty much hitting the nail on the head there. How do you feel like you individually fit into that? Like, how do you view your role and like what you end up getting your fingers in from day to day? Hmm, That's a good question. I came from a retail background, Mm -hmm. so wearing many hats in the field I was in translated to wearing many hats here and just connecting with different people with what their needs are. Everybody, there's not a single day goes by where it's the same as the day before. Uh Somebody needs something different or is looking for information for a different purpose. And it's, it's always a new, not a new role, but it's always a new hat that you're wearing. Uh A new champ. Yeah. You're, you get strange questions sometimes of, okay, I might not know the answer, but maybe I could figure it out for you. Let mm-hmm. me give you a call back here in a minute. Stuff like that. Or like you get to do all the fun stuff to do entering our financials, but then you get phone calls like this morning that I think would be something worthy of sharing. Oh yeah. This lady was, uh, she called and she was looking for a way to get her friend to ride to the airport because she was oh, unable okay. to get there. And we have a member who does that as part of their, their, he's, delivers groceries and whatnot, Uh but he also will transport you where you need to go. And so that's so cool. I gave her that information and she called back, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes later. And she was like, I just wanted to tell you, thank you so much. It worked out great. It it was such a last minute thing, but it's all taken care of now. So that was just, yeah, that was a cool, like nice reward. Very goal oriented. So to have that was right. (laughs) Yeah. Monday is good. Better Having, shut it yeah. down and let's end on a high note. Yeah, All lock right. the doors. Is it 20 minutes of our day. <laughs> Having those things that you can point to at the end of the day and be like, I achieved this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. always a good feeling. And that is not something that even I would have thought of you all doing. So that's fantastic to Yeah. To I wouldn't know have that's... thought that either until yeah. 920 this morning. Right. <laughs> yeah. We get the most random phone calls and stop-ins and just we we have become probably the closest thing to experts of what's in town or what's mm-hmm. in the area, what's available. Because people force us to learn things every day by just the questions they ask. And I kind of love that, honestly. Yeah. It gives us just a unique place where it's just a little thing to us, but probably made a huge difference to their day. Yeah. Getting where they needed to be. And, but yeah, it is, we it's funny. We laugh at some of the questions we get and like, what was the one? Where can I find a sword in town? Something, yeah. Something about We've looking some for a sword. Questions. Like an um, actual like, regulation. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what the regulations are yeah. for something like that, but. Yeah, I don't even remember the entirety of the question, but it was just like, huh, never been asked that before. (laughs) Did you come up with an answer to the question? I came up with the best I could find. Yeah. State sales or sometimes like kaleidoscope of times or also the the game store Excelsior downtown. Maybe they would have a connection. Yeah, a lightsaber. Yeah. (laughs) But maybe that's like a third connect. Yeah. It's you're making a connection that will be the answer. So last summer, I was maybe like four months in on the job uh-huh. and Paul was on vacation and which was fine. We didn't have anything going on and I, I was pretty confident that I could handle stuff. And I had a, a phone call that I don't even remember what the phone call was about, but it was something housing related. And I was uh-huh. like, I was trying to remember all of the resources and all of things when you're brand new. And so I was just like, yeah, you probably could call like the housing commission. And I rattled off probably three or four things like the information just came to me uh-huh. and I called my husband immediately immediately after that phone call and I was like you'll never believe I don't even know how I came up with the information <laughs> for this but I just was like this person called and I just told them this stuff and I was like I feel like I'm doing pretty good over here yeah that's impressive especially if you were still kind of acclimating as well yeah my my librarian brain completely fired when you said that and I'm like United Way <laughs> And we do have so many great resources. So sometimes yeah. it's like, it's even better when you're able to target into mm-hmm. this yes. is who you should call. Yeah, right. And we learn, we've learned more and more of that as we go. And I feel like, and I'm sure many communities are like this, but one of the nuances is not just finding 
what the resources are, but finding who the right person to talk to is mm-hmm. too, because there are there are people that I think we all have made connections with that you can tell this is a person who has that same incentive that you do that just really wants to help make that connection and wants to assist, mm-hmm. wants to be useful for, for their community. Sure. So you, you get a feel for who those points of connection are. No doubt. So you talked a little bit about where you came from. Paul, can you talk about what got you into this role and what your incentive was and all that? Yeah, it just honestly, I it just fell into my lap. I don't know how else to say that I wasn't looking for this type of work. I, I actually was actively looking But my experience is all in the manufacturing world and ministry world. But at the time, I was thinking manufacturing, specifically automotive, would probably be, that's where I have all my experience from before we moved here. And so I was looking for something along those lines, and I had a local friend in HR that that had a lot of connections. So I had just sent him my resume, and lo and behold, this email came across that the previous director was retiring, and he really encouraged me to apply. And I was just like, I don't know. I don't even know what they do. You know, I didn't have uh, director experience before this in this world. And some... You didn't go to college for, no. for directorship of chambers no. of commerce? No, I'm sure that exists somewhere, but that's not I don't think at all. it does. <laughs> pretty sure it does not. It is funny. Like I've recently talked to... Commerce. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm pretty... That's not even a word, let alone a degree. <laughs> But I have, I've gotten to know quite a few local chamber directors over the last okay. year, and many of them have similar stories that uh-huh. like they don't, there is such a thing of moving on to a bigger chamber or something uh-huh. along those lines. But a lot of people in this role, this wasn't something that they really sought out per se, or they have a basic business degree, or maybe they were focusing on HR or something else, and maybe they were working part-time and they eventually moved into this role. But yeah, so it's, it was, it was very interesting thought that I wouldn't have ever sought out probably on my own. And so I give a lot of credit to my friend that redirected me and was like, you ought to try that out. And I'm really glad I did really enjoy the position and all the ways that we get to work with the community. It seems more like a temperament thing rather than necessarily a study. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. There are days where like this morning, in fact, I came in after the weekend and we ended our day so fun with that, with the trick or treat. That was a few hours at the end of the, the week that like we weren't getting like work daily work done. And so I came in to a bunch of emails and things this morning and I'm like, oh, I feel like I have so many things to catch up on today. But even at that, it, it's not it's pretty much like our schedules are our own. I, I guess I could say it that way. Like we we're not at the mercy of some other industry or a supplier or something along those lines, like we're able to schedule out our weeks. And so that's a big benefit. And although there are busy days or moments like that, I think that's one I found if there's a lot of things happening to me at once and I have no control, like that's an easy moment to get a little bit stressed or a little overwhelmed. But I really don't feel like that because we're able to work with our own schedule so much. Mm-hmm. So I think temperament is a big deal as it relates to this. And But yeah, yeah, it's a great spot to be. So what local organizations or initiatives do you passionately support and why? You can't say I'm putting you on the spot with this because I gave you the questions in advance. (laughs) And we studied them for days and days. Yeah, we were very, we highlighted and cross-referenced and analyzed. I'm I'm trying to figure out what cross-referencing would occur there. I mean, there are just so many great organizations when I think about... um, I jump right to our nonprofits and there's just, when I, when we rattle off those nonprofits to people, they're all so focused in different areas. They're not all doing the same things. And so when I think about RAVE, Relief Against Violent Encounters, I'm Kids Third Meal, Have Mercy, Mm -hmm. Alpha Family Services, they're all, and I hope I'm not missing United Way. We have There's, 50 nonprofits. Yeah, yeah, there are so, so many. Somebody. That's why I phrased it as one that you feel specifically yeah. passionate about. Because I don't, I didn't, and I was afraid you would, you were supposed to be like, oh, I don't want to leave anybody out. No, and, <laughs> no, I, and it's true. You're not, we're, we are lucky to live in a community it's, where there are enough people doing good work yeah. that you're going to leave somebody out. It's true. So, and if I had to really, if you had to really nail me down, um, I think Alpha Family Services is probably the one I have the most experience with over and that goes beyond my role at the chamber. So I've been on their board before. I've, I'm, they consider me their chaplain. So I am connected strongly with care and we've done a lot of events together over the years. And I know they just, they're so many of them are, but they're on the front lines with people that are just need resources. Uh They just need someone to hear them and see them. 
And I just love what they're doing there. How about you, Katrina? I think it depends on the season and the year of what you're involved in. For us right now, we're trying to cultivate a a love of giving in our children. Uh Because when you're a kid, it's easy to you get things. You have your grandparents Uh and your parents and your friends. It's easy to get stuff, but it's not as easy to give stuff. And cultivating, we love Toys for Tots. So that's one thing that we're excited about this year is we are intentionally taking the kids to the store so that they can buy something for the program Uh so that they get the sense of, I did this. I Uh gave this to someone, not just being a part of what mom and dad are doing and what we want to do and what our lives are about, but having them pick what they want to do too. Uh Our kids go to a private school, so we're very supportive of that Uh because it's just as important as being in a small community and taking care of your community. Uh-huh. When you're taking care of a, a small organization, being as involved as possible is very crucial. Yeah, I think awareness of, of the world around you and the people around you and yeah. empathy for the people yeah. around you is definitely something that is so important to teach at that young age because it's harder to get it into them in a way that it will be meaningful if you wait until they're older. Yeah. And, and in a way that they don't feel guilty that they're not. Right. Because it's, yeah, it's really not about shame mm-hmm. or privileging, like, putting them in a position where they like feel like it's unfair that they've because right. it's it's a waste of a conversation yeah really. it's it like is. it doesn't accomplish anything making anybody feel bad the fo- it's lo- if you're focusing on okay let's try to be proactive let's try to do something positive and then yeah it doesn't help anybody yeah. to just dig into that stuff no a phrase we use in our house is you do what you can when you can so yeah we, that's we do that actively daily in our lives in what ways do you feel like our community could be more inclusive or welcoming I know this is a trick question because that's a lot of what you guys do, but is there anything would you like to see happen in the community in order to promote that connection making? I think we have a pretty welcoming community overall. Mm-hmm. I think that if you be welcomed, you will be welcome. It's hard to get a grasp on what everybody's idea of being welcomed is. That's fair. Yeah. Because everybody, some people just saying, hey, to your neighbor is enough. Other people, they want all of the information and all of the resources and all of the materials all at once sent right to their door. And that's fine. We definitely have those available for people. But everybody's idea of being welcomed is a little bit different. So I think it's that's hard to nail down. But overall, I feel like we've got a pretty welcoming community. There's lots of things to get involved in. There's lots of, like we're saying, organizations that welcome help and welcome collaboration. Lots of lots of interaction to be had within the city. I completely disagree. Figured you <laughs> no, would. No, I totally agree. I also, just coming at it from a little different perspective or vantage point, Greenville's a small town, but mm-hmm. it's a big it's a big city amongst mm-hmm. small towns, or right? it's a big small town amongst tiny small towns, and we're growing. Mm-hmm. So this the idea of maintaining that small town vibe that we felt right away moving here from the Muskegon area. Like, I love that feeling and people that have lived there their whole lives love that feeling and yet we're growing. So, Uh so maintaining because growth is good. Like I'm excited about the growth that we're seeing population wise. Businesses are moving here. Uh Um, There's a lot happening and Greenville has a lot to offer. Um, But maintaining that small town welcoming vibe while Uh still allowing for growth and expansion and new ideas and um, new thoughts. It's particularly important to me in this role, but I think this expands to just the community, at least in my mind, is opportunity and like people having the same opportunity is really important. Playing favorites or this certain grouping of people, they're the ones that are most important and they get all the opportunity like that. Uh I think it's really important that as we continue to grow, that there's opportunity for everyone and that there is this welcoming feeling that continues and that People feel like they they can belong here no matter what classification or label maybe greater society might put on them, that there is room for all of us and Uh there's opportunity to be part of what's happening. Right. And we're all people. That's the important part. We're all people first. No doubt. Before everything else. And I think it's easy to forget that sometimes these days. Absolutely. Okay, it was really nice to get to sit down and talk to Katrina and Paul. They're both hysterical. In fact, I ended up talking to them for way longer than I intended to. And we will release the second half of that super fun interview in episode one and a half here very soon. They're like the odd couple a little bit. They like to to snipe at each other and make fun of each other behind 
each other's back. So it's appreciate that dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Community. And they've got a ton of stuff available. If you want to know what's going on in Greenville, they know. Absolutely. It's nice to be those people mm -hmm. like in the know. Mm -hmm. That was always my fantasy when I was a kid. And I suppose I should have guessed that would make me turn into a librarian. But it drove me crazy having people ask questions and not having the answer to it. There's just something very. And that's probably why I always sound like I have the answer to things now because I'm really good at faking. Wow. But like, I think there's also that drive as a librarian, like that you have to answer that question. Right. You need to know, not only for the individual asking, but for yourself, because yes. I also need to know who lived in your house in 1912 mm -hmm. and what they did with the house. Mm -hmm. Did they board it? Did they rent it out? I don't know. Did anything creepy happen? That's definitely happened in places. Yes. And that's one of the beauties of living in a Midwestern town like this, where a lot of the houses are older, is that you have that glorious possibility of just weird historical things. And that was one thing that I really missed when I moved to Colorado is like everything's 20 minutes old in yeah. Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> so much fun. Weird history is good. Tin yes. ceilings are good. I love oh, tin, tin ceilings. ceilings. And, and the chamber office has a really great tin ceilings. They do. Yeah. All right, so I want to talk about, I'm just like driving this bus wherever I want to go <laughs> right now. Let's talk about what's new this week. Okay. We're going to talk about what stuff that we've had on our radar lately that we're excited about, what we've had come out new in our library that we're excited about. We've had tons of new books come mm -hmm. into the building and new video games and just lots of cool stuff. So what are you excited about right now? So I have to admit, I jumped on the bandwagon and I listened to Britney Spears's autobiography. You did? Was I it good? Did. I did. It was interesting because obviously we're roughly the same age as Britney Spears. Steph uh -huh. and I both are. And I knew what was coming in the book. Okay. Like, Justin Timberlake, definitely. Definitely Justin Timberlake. But it was just really interesting to hear her perspective on how her life went and what drove her to do the things that she did. Okay. You know? She reads her own book, right? Um, No, she doesn't. No, so she does the... do the opener. And so she's got a little a, like, preface okay. that she does. And then Michelle Williams reads it, actually. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Another very 90s Absolutely. person. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. So, we'll, okay, we won't give Britney trouble for that. Like, no, it's, no. It's understandable. Well, she's, she's, had did... a, she's had a hard enough without having to find time to read her book out loud. That's understandable. She defended that choice by saying, I've lived this and to have That's to fair. read it is a little too much. So you'll yes. have to excuse me, but I'm going to let Michelle handle this. Good and, for her. Oh, yeah. No, I respect that. Do what you need to do for your mental health. Right. Like, just like we were talking about earlier, learning to set boundaries. Yes. It's good for all. Of, some of us learn as adults. Some of us hopefully are taught when we're a little younger. <laughs> That's something we can hope for our children. For sure. And Cassie and I both have elementary age kids and that's that's something that we are both very aware of yes very much we are working on building boundaries that's fantastic yeah. so that was a really interesting read i did okay. enjoy that honestly i there was part of me that wanted a little bit more dirt but okay. that's just the voyeur in me wanting to know yeah. exactly what's happening in someone else's life and you feel gross about it the whole time a little like, bit yeah you want to apologize to her for reading her book even though she's going to be making gobs of money yeah. from it. But still, I'm sorry, Brittany. Yeah. I'm sorry we're so obsessed She's with your life. She's never had a private life. No. And that's just unfair. No. Even just working as a librarian out in the community, I just sometimes want to hide and be like, no, I'm not a public figure in this community. So I can only imagine what being a celebrity and the kind of mental toll that must take. I just do our TikToks. It's the TikTok ladies. Oh, yeah, I'm the TikTok ladies. I also do the tape on the floors. Yep. But, yep. yeah. And Josie. We need and to Josie. stop leaving Josie That's out true. of That's true. Josie doesn't want her contributions acknowledged. And I think it's very important that we acknowledge and show her the love that she deserves. Because Josie does a lot around here. And she is definitely appreciated. Right. She's one of those people that benefits, I think, from being challenged. And, and she comes up with good things when she is challenged. And How, it's, it comes from a place of love and appreciation. Yes. We, yes. I love Josie. She's fantastic. And she's going to hate that I did this. Yes. yes. And that's okay. I have one of my own pop culture things on my list mm -hmm. right now. A little different, though. I stumbled across, thank you, Pinterest, for helping me stumble across this. 
but I found a a crochet guide for the Friends show. Oh, oh. So it's all Amazing. like you crochet the little the people from Friends. Do they have the couch? They do have oh, the couch. Love the couch. Danielle is actually she grabbed it before I could check it out <laughs> because she Danielle processes all our materials to send them out to the floor, and so she gets to see things as they she gets first it. And but then they have Phoebe's jacket oh it's a good jacket like chandler sweaters and oh yeah it's and could i be wearing more clothes exactly that is literally my favorite episode of friends i have such a good one it really the one where they're not ready yes (laughs) i know the episode title because i've watched too much friends so i was really excited about that and i don't know which one i'm gonna make first Okay. okay marcel I d- oh god, I did not like Marcel. <laughs> it was so. It weird. was such a bad gimmick. It really, it was. was a bad gimmick. It really was. It was right around where it, like really found its stride. But it yeah, once once Marcel moved on, Ross and Rachel got together. Things were a little bit better. I don't have a favorite. Do you have a favorite of of the characters? Of the this is gonna sound a little too topical, but honestly, Chandler was my favorite. Okay. And yes, my heart hurt. Matthew Perry and everything and I'm actually also reading his autobiography right now and opening that like we discussed this off podcast but opening the book and his preface just being like message from the grave from me and I'm just oh man I'm glad I read it before he passed away Mm -hmm. because I don't think that I would have been able to view it through the same eyes yeah yeah there's a much more tragic lens to it now and of course at this point we don't know exactly what happened but there's no doubt that there were Serious health issues involved. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Way to make friends depressing. I was I'm just sorry. I didn't about mean crochet. to. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll change the topic a little okay. bit. Every once in a while, I buy the adult materials and I get, I will have one month where I'm like, you know what? I haven't been buying enough in this particular area. So I'll go a little cuckoo bananas on one particular area, one genre or whatever in our collection. And I have not been buying as many graphic novels lately. Mm -hmm. And um, part of that is because I'm still getting used to the adult graphic novel area. It's very different. Like Mm -hmm. graphic novels are huge for middle school and high school students now. Like they've really exploded. And we'll talk about this in a later episode, but we have our own comic artist on staff We do. So I managed to dive in a little bit to get us some cool new stuff for the adult graphic novel collection. And if you don't read graphic novels, you should. It's the same way that if you don't listen to audiobooks, you should. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying that as somebody who does not listen to audiobooks and and probably would if I didn't have auditory processing problems. But but yeah, so some things that I'm excited about that we've gotten for adult graphic novels. Does did anybody know that Keanu Reeves Wrote a graphic novel series. Oh, oh my God, it's that's amazing. Berserker. It's spelled really weird. Cool. B-R-Z-R-K-R. There are no vowels I in love this. that. But yes, it's a very violent series. But yes, he's involved in that. There is a really phenomenal comic artist named Daniel Klaus. And I'm probably mispronouncing his name too. But he did Ghost World back in the oh, 90s. Okay, yeah. And he just had his first book come out in forever. Awesome. Called Monica in that same phenomenal, really interesting very 90s looking style. Mm-hmm. So I was excited about that. Also, um, Bill Watterson of Calvin and Hobbes fame. And side note, I am currently making Calvin and Hobbes in crochet. But he has, for the first time in forever, he has new material coming out. And it is so different. Than- yeah. And it's worth mentioning that he's not doing the art on it. Someone else is doing the art. And I apologize. It escapes me what the artist's name is. But he was the author on it. Mm -hmm. Which is an Um, interesting departure for him. Yeah, absolutely. And he spent the entire, what, 80s and 90s doing everything for Calvin and Hobbes. And now he is taking a bit of a departure. But I'm really glad to see him back. I was thrilled when I saw he was releasing it. And I actually bought a copy for my partner as a gift. So he was very excited to receive that. Is he a big Calvin and Hobbes fan? Yes, huge. Our... So my husband and son have gone on multiple occasions for Halloween as Calvin and Hobbes. That's adorable. Yeah. Which one is which? My husband is Hobbes. Okay. That makes sense, but you never know. It would be really cute if we did it the opposite way, too. But yeah, the first year was when our son was about two. Oh, that's yeah. so cute. And then they did it again a year or two later, and then they did it last year. And so, yeah, we've got multiple Halloween photos of them being Calvin and Hobbes, and Honestly, my son just loves it, and he has his own stuffed hobs and everything. And then I'm going to give one more plug, too, to a book that I was going to buy regardless of my current graphic novel mania, but a phenomenal 
horror author. And I do not say that solely because of my bias, because he was also my thesis advisor in grad school named Stephen Graham Jones, who has gotten really big in the horror world with The Only Good Indians Mm -hmm. and Life is a Chainsaw which is the first in a three-part series. I think the third book is coming out in the spring. But he's extremely prolific. He doesn't sleep. He lives on Red Bull. He never comes out of his basement. And I love every aspect of that. He is insane in the most beautiful possible way. But he has a new book in the, the beginning of a graphic novel series that just came out that he does not do the art for. He does the writing for. But the series is called Earth Divers. And the first book in the series has a um, group of people trying to go back in time to assassinate Christopher Columbus to mm. prevent him from murdering all of the natives and all of the raping and pillaging that yeah. happened then. So it's I haven't had a chance to sit down and read it yet. He is Native American, and he really brings a lot of that cultural experience to his work. That's cool. While also being a hardcore horror film addict. So a lot of his books have a lot of tongue-in-cheek references to to horror film, mm. B-horror film history oh, and stuff like excellent. that. So yeah, I'm excited to to sit down and read that and be horrified, <laughs> literally horrified. Yeah, feel free to drop that on my desk when you're done. That, we'll do. Uh, yeah, we'll that do. sounds amazing. I think they the series, I believe, is supposed to be a little bit Quantum Leap style. Where oh, I think they do that's... different things in different books in the series, so which hopefully I didn't completely make that up, but I mean, <laughs> that's I, guess I thought we'll I remember. Out. We're going to do one more thing before we finish up here. Six degrees of separation from libraries instead of Kevin Bacon. So because we are so heavily immersed in the community and we tend to get involved in a lot of different things, we are going to see how easily we can make connections between the most random things that we can think of and the library as a concept, either locally or just in the world. I'm going to fail so hard at this. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be every second is going to be glorious. So do you want to go first or should I go first? Let me give you your prompt and I'll let you. All right. And we don't know what these are in advance. So we're just going to try to figure this out. Okay. So six degrees of separation from dogs. Dogs. You know what? That is really easy. (laughs) Okay. All right. Give it to me. Give. I've got multiple degrees of separation. We have patrons who will bring their dogs in 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 bags. It's an amazing, not even in bags, but it's sometimes in bags. But yeah, it's an amazing day when a dog walks in the door. Yes, we have dog buddies that come in the building. And then we have done programs with children reading to dogs and reading to kitties, depending on where you're at. But it's actually one of those programs. It comes highly recommended as an opportunity for kids who are maybe reluctant readers who need to practice reading out loud. And need to feel safe and comfortable. And it's dog- more safe than a puppy. Exactly. And I love that's something that's that we're embracing the way that animals make us comfortable a little bit more. I think most of the schools now have started. They have comfort animals, they have comfort in, their animals their schools, in all the schools, which is fantastic. Yeah. My, so. my little buddy came home and was saying that he was petting the comfort dog the other day. There's, a, there's another library I follow on TikTok that has a library cat. And I have expressed my jealousy to them. <laughs> they have invited me to come and visit their cat. I was I've been a Grinch at other libraries about this before. My last library, they I the rest of the staff was trying to talk me into it and I was not a supervisor and yet they were still somehow deferring to my judgment on this. And the closest I would let them get to it was a library tortoise. Okay. Because I figure they're hypoallergenic, but like they <laughs> we were joking about how you had to have a balloon tied to it so you could figure out where it was in the building. Okay, but what was the tortoise's name? We hadn't gotten that far. Oh, okay. Bummer. It was just whimsy. But can you imagine a giant tortoise just chilling? I would love that. That would be amazing. I think we vetoed it because tortoises live like forever. Decades, yes. And I'm not there anymore. Right. The people who, not, none of the people who had this idea work there anymore. And so that poor tortoise would just be passed on to whoever. Yeah. So it's for the best. Yeah. Okay. Yours. Okay. Is peanut butter. This is near and dear to my heart right now because I just discovered where I can eat peanuts again. And it's very and exciting. Maybe you're the connection. That's my connection. I can eat peanuts again and I work at the library. It's all interconnected. We're in the matrix. Um, but I would actually give a vote for Library Kitchen on this one. I oh, know yeah. that we have done like dessert events in the past. And I am sure that there was some peanut butter in there somewhere. Hopefully um, used very carefully because there are a lot of people with allergies. There are allergies, yes. But also we have a lot of – one of our largest sections in the library is our cookbook section, mm-hmm. the 641s. And I know – Oh, my gosh. You had that just off the top of your head? 
Yes. That's amazing. I know. That's what you get for being out on the floor for multiple years and having to go find things. But yes. Now, don't ask me what decimal point it would be after that. Okay. Well, now you're disappointing me. I know. I'm sorry. But I am certain that we have some peanut butter cookbooks out there. All right. I know that was a little underwhelming. No. Is it the point? And we might cheat and point to books sometimes. But you know what? We have books. We do have books. Which is a perfect finishing point that like we started out by talking about all the ways that we weren't just books. But then we at the end of the day, we just come back to books. We have books. That's okay. And we all love books. So in conclusion... Go make something with peanut butter. Oh if my you god! Can eat yes. It. No, I'm seriously um, considering no bakes. Absolutely. You know what I've been addicted to lately? Mm. Puppy chow, <laughs> chocolate peanut butter, Chex Mix, I... and powdered sugar. You've honestly just made my Christmas season because that means I can make puppy chow. Oh, you can. Okay. What else do you need? Nothing. Nothing. All right. We're getting rid of all of our other services, and we're only. That's all we're doing. Amazing. We're a bakery. There we go. Fantastic. Okay. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And we hope to be coming back here very soon. So thank you so much for listening to our very first Flat River Front Porch episode. And happy